So Act Two, I changed the title from um, whatever I had before to Johnny Comes Marching Home Again. <laughs> um, it just popped in my head and I thought, that's really cool. So um, since I'd given the boy the name Johnny, I thought, well, why not? Um, so when we last left off in Act One, the lights go down on Johnny being very hungry, starving to death in this faraway land. He's left his people, he's left his family, he's dirt poor, he's among pagans. Um, he cannot really go home because if he goes home, um, he would, who would feed him there? I mean, what, uh, he has no prospects there. He would have to endure the slings and arrows of being uh, this prodigal son the rest of his life among his own people. Um, his own brother hates his guts. His father probably hates his guts. Um, the village will do the ceremony with the clay pot and, and uh, uh, oust him from their, their life because he's wasted their money in a foreign land. And so his response is um, to attach himself, literally to glue himself to some wealthy citizen of that strange foreign land um, and ask for work. Uh, he's probably known. I mean, here's this rich kid from, from the Jewish lands who's landed here, who wasted all his money. He's irresponsible, he's immature. He has no ability to work, he has no skills. Um, and to get rid of him, the citizen, which means this kind of important person in town, gives him a job that he thinks he'll turn down uh, because he's a Jew. So he says, go take care of the pigs, the swine. Um, he figures the, the citizen, this important person, thinks it's my way of getting rid of him. You know, it's like saying to, um, somebody, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna move your job to California, and if, if you don't want to go, then don't go, <laughs> quit. Um, that's kind of it's 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 a he, he figures the guy will quit. He he doesn't because he has no options. So he goes and works with the pigs. For a Jewish person to work with pigs was the ultimate degradation because pigs swine are the dirtiest, foulest, filthiest um, animal on the face of the earth. They won't deal with them, they won't eat them, they won't touch them, they won't be near them, they won't have them in their villages. Um, so to work with the swine, was that's the bottom of the pit. That's the, as low as he could imagine go. From a spiritual, physical side, he could go no lower than to be, find himself in the midst of swine. And he is so hungry that he even imagines himself as a pig, as a swine, eating the pods. That's how low he's gotten. That's how desperate he is. That he would even jump in with them and eat with them. Share table fellowship with pigs. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Um, he asks, he begs, for anything to eat, and there's nothing given him. Um, even in this foreign land, he's kind of an outcast. Um, and then something happens. So Johnny comes to his senses. Um, suddenly, he realizes there's a way out of this mess that I've gotten myself into. And um, he comes up with a very practical plan 
to save himself from death, from physical death, not spiritual death. So he says, I know what I'll do. I shall arise. Our translation, I think, says get up. I shall arise. It's kind of an important word, actually. When Jesus says the word arise in this story, um, you know it's got some echoes in it. And I'll return to my father and I'll say. And this is where our 21st century understanding of the story and first century understanding of the story diverge. So what's he going to do? He's going to get up. He's going to go home to his father. He's got this beautiful speech he's planned. Um, father, I've been... Let's see, how does it go here? Um, let's see. He says, how many hired hands does my father have? Enough food to eat. Here I am dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you treat one of your hired workers, one of your craftsmen. That sounds like contrition, doesn't it, to us? That sounds like, ah, oh, a conversion moment, finally the moment we've been waiting for. He's reached the bottom of the barrel. He's terrible, he's hungry, he's starving to death, he's living with pigs, and now he realizes that, that he should return to his father and he should ask for forgiveness and we should have reconciliation and she, 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 this whole thing should, should end right there. But that's not the case. This is not a conversion moment. This is a plan A moment. This is save my skin moment. Aha! He comes to his senses. I have a plan. I know my dad is a patsy. I know I can get anything I want out of him. I will go back to my dad. And this is my plan. I'll say these nice words. And then I, will, I know that I can never live in the household, especially with my brother who hates my guts. And I know that if I can pay back what I owe him, maybe after a long life, I can be welcomed back into the community and back into the family, back into the town. But I've got to pay it all back. So the way I'm going to pay it back is I'm going to get my father to agree to set me up in the next town where I don't have family as a someone who will learn a craft. I, I don't know how to do anything. I don't know how to work. So they'll teach me how to do something, some sort of craft, and then I can make a living and eventually pay back what I've wasted, and then I can go back to my town and live. It's a plan. There's no conversion in this. And you say, well, what about the happy words? You know, the beautiful words he says to his father. You know, um, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. That must be conversion. Well, it's not, because anybody listening in the first century would hear those words and they would think back, ah, I recognize those words. Those are the words that Pharaoh used to Moses when he was trying to manipulate Moses to do his will. Those aren't authentic. Those are manipulation words. Those are, oh, dear father, you are such a wonderful dad, you know. Give me even more than you've already given me. It's not a conversion moment. Remember the, the sheep? The sheep doesn't decide to go back to the flock. The shepherd goes and finds the sheep. This son does not decide, I'm going to change my life and my ways and become a good son again. 
He's just got one more scheme to save his own skin. And um, it says, our translation says hired workers. Basically, the original would have said, the Greek would have said, um, you know, uh, become a craftsman. A, a, what's the word for a, someone who's learning a craft? A, a apprentice or a journeyman or something like that. Apprentice, I should have known that word in today's era of um, television. Um, so he does get up, he goes back to his father. And then this is where the story gets really good. So um, there's nothing in his return to the father that says, I'm going to heal the ruptured relationships that I've caused. I'm going to heal the broken heart of my father. I'm going to restore my relationship with my brother, with my town. I'm going to be a good man under God's eyes again. All he cares about is money. Okay? His speech is a manipulation. So um, he approaches his town. Johnny comes home again. And as he approaches the town, still a ways off, word spreads that Johnny's coming home. People are saying, that rascal, that rat, that swine is coming back. How dare he? They begin to get the clay pot ready for the big ceremony, the Kazeza ceremony. Word spreads. The town urchins are gathering, um, ready to throw tomatoes at him as he approaches, whatever they do, we're going to do. And um, he is about ready to face probably the worst moment of his life, probably even worse than the hunger and famine in the foreign land. He's going to experience complete and total rejection by his own people. And the insults and the tomatoes and the, the pushing him out is going to be awful. Okay. Pop hears, gets word, spreads fast, small town, that his son is coming home. And we now know that this pop, well, we will know in a moment, that this pop, um, this father, this dad, um, has not given up hope on his son, that he still loves the boy. Because what does he do? He does what no father would ever do, ever, ever, ever do. He picks up the front hem of his robes, exposing his legs, and he starts running. No one ever runs in this culture unless you're a kid. You stop running when you become a man. Running is for little boys. So for this father, this patriarch of the family, to start running is a complete and total debasement of his role as an, as an authority figure, as a patrifamilia. This is, this is a complete humiliation for anyone seeing him. They're all going, oh my god, he's running. Even worse, he's got his skirts up like a woman. So not only is he running like a little kid, but he's also running like a woman. Two terrible things. And he doesn't care. 
He can't get there fast enough. He doesn't care what anyone else thinks. He completely leaves behind all pride, all sense of shame, honor, and he just goes to the sun, which is an indication of how powerfully and mightily he loves this boy still. All this time, his heart has been broken and aching. He's never given up his love for this son. Never, not for an instant. And he does what no father would ever do. He runs with his skirts up to gather around, to get him. He is now the good shepherd going after the lost sheep. The sheep is not coming to him. He's going to the sheep. Okay. In spite of the derision and the shamefulness of it. Um, we now have an image of the father, Pop, who is an image of God, the father, but also we are beginning to feel at this point in the story that this father is also Jesus. That Jesus is the father, the shepherd, even the old woman looking for her coin, going after the tax collectors of the world. He embraces and kisses his son. He has compassion on his son. The Greek word that's used here for compassion is a variation of the word for guts, intestines. So um, he's gutted. In Scotland, Ireland, they would say, I'm, I'm gutted. Maybe British, too. We don't use that expression. Um, his insides have been torn to pieces over the loss of this son. That's what the compassion means. We, we use the word compassion so loosely. This is much more vivid, visceral. He's so torn up inside that he can't help but run and go to his son and kiss him. And the kissing is not just a sweet little kiss on the cheek. In the Middle East, even to this day, men kiss one another. Not like women kiss. It's a different, it's, a, it's, it's the embrace, it's the kiss. Um, um, it's, it's, um, it's the kiss of complete and total welcome and oneness with the person. Um, and what the father, what Pop wants to do is he wants to save his boy from the rejection that he's about to experience. The horror of being excised from the community, surgically removed, the insults. Um, he wants to redeem this kid. He wants to bring him back into the family. That's what's going on here. And so he kisses him, and the guy um, begins his speech. Johnny begins the planned speech. Oh, Father, still, he's still got his plan. There's no conversion yet. Oh, Father, 
I have sinned against you and against God. I no longer deserve to be called your son. And he doesn't get any further. The part about becoming a craftsman gets dropped. He is totally overcome by the love of his father. It stops him in his tracks. It's, this is the moment of conversion. Not back in the foreign land when he decides to go home. It's not until he's embraced by his father, kissed by his father, overwhelmed by his father, presumably the tears of his father are falling down on top his head. This is the moment where the father's love completely turns this kid inside out. Finally, finally we have a conversion. And the boy accepts it. He does nothing except accept it. He doesn't go to confession. <laughs> he doesn't, um, he does nothing. There's nothing he does that he has to do first to merit the father's love and welcome home. It's just there waiting for him. He has only to accept it. The father, remember, has gone to him and found him and overwhelmed him, knocked him off his, pin, his pins with his love. Um, yeah? No, no. I'm not sure what the word means, the Hebrew word. It's just, it's the name they have for this ceremony of getting rid of somebody. Yeah. So he doesn't finish his speech, he drops his plan. Um, and the father then says a couple of things. He turns to his, his workers, his servants, and um, he restores the son to his family. He does a couple things. He says, first, get my best robe and put it on him. Get my robe and put the robe over him. Put shoes on his feet. Get, get the family signet ring that allows him to do business on the family's behalf and put that on his finger. He completely restores him not only to his own heart, not only to his household, but also to the community. People standing around cannot deny the sonship because of what the father has done. They have no choice but to put their rocks and their tomatoes and their clay pots down and to also welcome him in to the family, the community, the clan, the tribe. So the reconciliation of the father's broken heart has happened through the father's graciousness. The reconciliation with the townspeople has happened. And the reconciliation with this other brother, we're not there yet. And finally he says, let's have a party. Just like the woman who found her coin. Let's have the biggest party ever. The fatted calf. This is a wealthy family. They've got a calf, a fattened calf. 
Um, and the party begins, and the whole town, the whole community, comes together to celebrate with the father the joy of having his son back. This would never happen in real life. Everybody hearing this story would go, this is wild, man. This, is, this, is, this would never happen in real life. This is a fable. But what a story. It's like they're, they're scratching their heads, the people hearing this story in the first century and saying, that would never happen in a million years. The father would never run to see his son. He would never lift up his, his skirt. He would never kiss his son. He would never welcome him back. He would never give him the signet ring. He would never put shoes on his feet. He would never have a fear. The son would have to do all these things to get back in good graces, if he could ever could, mostly paying back the debts. He doesn't have to pay back a penny. He just has to accept the love of the Father. And that's all. And he does. He does. Without any question or hesitation, he drops his speech. He accepts the robe. He accepts the ring. He accepts the shoes. He accepts the feast. And they gather in the family compound, the family hall, and the feast begins. Cool. So that gives you some things to think about um, and pray about, reflect on, I hope, in the next, how much time? Mass is at 11.30, so you got 45 minutes, a little longer this time. Um, I don't know if it's still raining, I can't tell. It looks like the rain has stopped, so feel free to wander outside if it's weather allows. Feel free to use the chapel, feel free to go to your room and Go horizontal if you wish for a while, if, you've been if you're a little tired. Um, again, on that sheet that we gave you, there's some sort of guided reflections. Feel free to use those if they're helpful to you in any way. Um, uh, but do take some time to consider this son returning home and the father welcoming him back.